0: Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and so I wanted to talk to you about super. I was actually smiling even as I was seeing on the stage Pastor Josiah, Ashley, of course, I knew myself. It's like we've got our brown jerseys on, and then we put something over it. Every now and then we'll show you a little bit, and then we're like, oh, that's enough, that's enough. Uh, It was funny, last night our family was going through jerseys, and Eliana, my 11-year-old, uh, she was like, Dad, I, you know, I don't have a Kansas City Chiefs or San Francisco. I'm like, honey, you can wear any jersey, all kinds of people on Thursday night. They were wearing different jerseys, and you can wear, you know, the Browns jersey. She has a Beckham Jr. jersey and, and a Baker jersey. I'm like, you can wear your Browns jersey. And here was her response to me. She's like, why would we do that? She's like, oh, to go to church. And be like, oh, look, we're losers. We didn't make the Super Bowl. I was like, well, I never really thought of it that way. Uh, wow, out of the mouth of children. So if she uh, doesn't have her jersey on today, that's why. (laughs) So, I heard about the three Cleveland fans who were talking about the sad state of the Browns. And the first, how many knows it's easy to blame? Uh, The first fan blamed the coach and said, "Well, if we had a better coach who called better plays, we'd be a better team." Uh, The second fan he said, "Well, I I blame the players. Uh, If the players could make more plays, we'd probably win more games." And the third fan, he said, well, I, I blame my parents if I'd have been born in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I hate that joke. <laughs> Why doesn't Dayton have a professional football team? Because then Cincinnati would want one. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not, I had to tell that for Sherry Johnson. She was like, you didn't tell a Cincinnati joke. So I, I apologize. There you go. Um, I did hear I did hear about Chick Fil A. They're doing a new uh, promotional advertising thing in the Cleveland area, Northeast Ohio. Uh, Chick Fil A's new promo said they want to be like the Browns. They they take Sundays off too. Um, where's my Browns fans at? Where's my Browns? Next year is our year. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I was reading about the guy who placed an ad online in the Columbus Dispatch, uh, purchased two tickets for the 2020 Super Bowl today. Uh, in Miami, both box seats. He paid $6,500 for each ticket. He didn't realize when he bought the tickets last year uh, that, that uh, the game was going to fall on the exact date of his wedding this year. Uh, and so uh, he put an ad out. If you're interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. Uh, the wedding is at 3 p.m. at the Assembly of God Church on Arlington Avenue in Westerville. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the joke about the guy that took his girlfriend to her first football game. And afterward, he was asking his girlfriend how she liked the game. And she said, well, I liked it. I just don't understand why they were hitting each other and and hurting each other over 25 cents. And he said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, everyone kept yelling, get your quarterback. Uh (laughs) Just before we go into God's word, I did want to tell you too, Angel and I, uh, we took our, our our vacuum cleaner was broke, and so we took our broken vacuum cleaner back to the store uh, They put a steeler 's jersey on it, and now it sucks again um, <laughs> that's, that 's that that 's not funny that 's not funny <laughs> that 's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to tell that at 1045 because they're live stream. Right now it's not live stream, so <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to say that. Um, so ticket prices for the game today. Ticket prices for the game today. Uh, suites are now sold out, uh, but you were able to get the lowest price suite uh, this week was right around $290,000. The highest suite went for $1 million. Uh, and then you see just single ticket prices. Whether you're in a corner, up in the nosebleeds, see the prices that people are paying for a ticket to get into the game. If you wanted a commercial, uh, if you wanted a commercial for the Super Bowl, you are going to be paying somewhere around four million dollars, give or take, for thirty seconds, for a a uh, Super Bowl commercial. Over the last decade. Over the last decade, uh, there has been over $2 billion that has been spent on advertising. And if you want a beer today at the Super Bowl, uh, I don't drink, but if, if, you want, if you want a beer at the Super Bowl today, uh, you are going to pay right around the high prices $45 for a beer. They will say both at the game as well as Super Bowl parties that they project $32. Uh, 325.5 million, 325.5 million gallons of beer that will be drank by Americans today. To put that in perspective, if we were to put all of that beer into Olympic-sized swimming pools, that would fill 493 Olympic-sized uh, swimming pools, which may be the reason why these studies and statistics say that 7 million employees will call off work tomorrow. Um <laughs> I don't have all the answers, but just maybe connecting some dots. Uh, They said there'll be 8 million pounds of popcorn uh, that will be consumed today. There'll be 28 million pounds of potato chips eaten today. 53.5 million pounds of avocados will be consumed today. Uh, And there will be 1 billion chicken wings. Where's my chicken wing people at? One billion chicken wings will be consumed on Super Bowl Sunday. When you look at the definition of the word super, it means by definition a high-grade quality or size. A high-grade quality. So when they call it the Super Bowl, you know, arguably uh, the most notable sport when it comes to the revenue, money that we would know when you look at the monies paid for advertising, the game, the suites, they would call that super. It's a high grade, it's great quality, it's great size. I love the Latin definition of the word super. It means above and beyond. Can we say that together today? Above and beyond. Can we say that one more time? Above and beyond. That's the Latin definition of the word super. The moment that I read the Latin definition of the word super, my first thought was the verse of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, where it says, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, and here's the word, beyond, all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. The moment I read that definition, that was the first verse I thought of, was a God that is able to do above and beyond. There are a lot of people today that will say, I'm cheering for Pat Mahomes, or uh, I, I love uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, or I like Coach Reed, or coach Shanahan. There will be people that will pay top dollar. There will be people that will spend a lot of money, whether it's in the stadium or on TV, cheering for their particular player or their particular team. But I want us to start today in our time together by simply saying that when you're talking about super, when you are talking about someone or something that is above or beyond that the first thing that all of us need to acknowledge is that we serve a super Jesus there are a lot of names that will get attention today one of those names will become the MVP but the greatest name that is above every name is the name of Jesus when you look at God in Scripture some people will Say for me, he is Jehovah Jireh; he is my provider. Others will say, in this season of my life, he's Jehovah Nisi. Others will say he's Jehovah Shalom, which means he's my peace. He's he's Jehovah Shama. He's he's Jehovah Sabbath. He's Jehovah Elohim. When when you look at who is Jesus, we wouldn't have time today to cover all of the things that we could call on even in a moment like this but writers would say that to the architect he's the chief cornerstone to the astronomer he's the son of righteousness according to Malachi 4 to to the Baker John 6 35 he's the bread of life to the banker Matthew 13 he's the hidden treasure to the builder he's the sure foundation to the carpenter John 10, he is the door. To the doctor, Jeremiah 8, he is the great uh, physician. To the educator, he's the great teacher. To the engineer, he's the new and the living way. To the farmer, Luke 10, he's the sower, the lord of the harvest. To the florist, he's the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, 1 Corinthians 10, he's the rock of ages. To the horticulturist. John fifteen, he's the true vine. To the judge, he's the only righteous judge. To the juror, he's the faithful and the true witness. Revelation chapter number three. To the jeweler, Matthew thirteen forty six, he's the pearl of great price. To the lawgiver, he's the counselor, the lawgiver, the true advocate. Isaiah nine. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the preacher, that's me. According. Uh, to Revelation 19, he is the Word of God. To the student, he's the incarnate truth. To the theologian, Hebrews 12, he's the author and he's the finisher of faith as we know it. To John chapter 1, verse 29, which is all of us, but to the sinner, he is the law of God who takes away the sin of the world. When you open up the greatest selling book of all time, it's called the Holy Bible. I love the Bible. If you open up that sacred book at the very beginning, the book of Genesis, you would find in Genesis that he is the breath of life, that God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. They took the blood and they covered the doorpost and it provided spiritually symbol, symbolically, even for us, that he was the way out. In Leviticus, he's our high priest, in numbers, He is the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. and in Joshua, he is salvation's choice. In judges, he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In first and second, Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. If you turn the page to Kings and Chronicles, you will find that the Bible tells us he is sovereign. In Ezra, he is the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, he's the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is our morning song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom's cry. In Ecclesiastes, he's every time And he is every season. In the Song of Solomon, he is love's dream. In Isaiah, Isaiah would tell us that he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the fourth man that shows up in the fire. In Hosea... He's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the Spirit's power. In Amos, he's the arms that carry us. I'm thankful for that. In Obadiah, he's the Lord our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, he's the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's revival. In Haggai, he's the restorer. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness that rises with healing in His wings. In the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. He is God, He is man, and He is Messiah. In the book of Acts, He's fire from heaven. In Romans, He's the grace of God. In Corinthians, He's the power of love. In Galatians, He's freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, uh, He is our treasure. Philippians, servant's heart. Colossians, He's the Godhead. In Thessalonians, he is our coming king. In Timothy and Titus and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful shepherd. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting covenant. In James, he is our healer. In First and Second Peter, he's our spiritual oversight. In John and in Jude, he's the husband coming for his bride. In Revelation, he's King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Son of Man, Lamb of God. Great I am. He's the Great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Would you take a moment today and just let him know that you believe he's super? Would you tell him today you're so thankful he's in your life, that he's your God, he's your Savior, he's your Redeemer, he's your Forgiver? You're thankful for Jesus today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, whatever we do, whatever we do in word or deed, We do all in the name of Jesus. There is no name. There is no name like the name of Jesus. Not only do I believe that we have a super Jesus, but I believe that he wants and will have a super church. Sometimes people separate the two. They say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church that's impossible Jesus loves the church Jesus died for the church Jesus is coming back for the church the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus is talking to Peter and he said I tell you that you are Peter on this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not be able to have power over my church when you look at a super church when you look at the words of god a spotless without blemish church the church that imperfect as it may be right now will be perfect one day the church that jesus fights for the church that jesus protects and guards what would make up a super church as I prepared for this weekend's message, the last couple of weeks, I begin to view it through the lens of if Micah and Angel were not pastoring, if I if I was not doing what I'm doing right now, and I was looking for a place to plant my family. I've been to hundreds of churches in my travels, and and where. Where would I want to plant my church? Some people will say, I like my church in a living room. I like my church, you know, in a school. I, I like my church on Saturday night or you know, I like my church Sunday morning. I, I like my church if we sing out of a book or I like my church, you know, with the lights. And there's a lot of people that have preferences of the style of church. I necessarily don't really want to talk about the style today. I want to talk about the substance, but where. Where would Micah and Angel, Brooklyn, Jalen, Eliana, Micaiah, where where would I want my church or my family to be in church? What what would that church look like? And so I took the word super and I want to share with you in the next few minutes just the letters, S-U-P-E-R, the word super. The first thing that would be really important to me if I was looking for a super church is I would want a church that was spiritual and scriptural. And I would want it to be both. Some people over the years, they will tell me, Micah, I don't even really care about the worship. I've had a lot of people tell me that. Like, I'll come late, singing's not my deal, not really into all of that stuff, the emotionalism. Micah, I could just come just for the teaching. Well, I'm, I'm just saying for me, for my family, I would want to go to a church that is scriptural and spiritual I want to go to a church where i believe it could line up with john 4 when jesus says in verse 24 god is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him not one or the other both spirit and truth the bible says in john 5 jesus said you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life these are the very scriptures that testify about me yet you refuse to come to me to have life in other words i believe he's telling them that they are being educated but they are missing out on the experience John 6.63, Jesus said it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh accomplishes nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are Spirit and life. When I look at the letter S, and again through the lens of just my life, I love God's Word from a young age. You've heard me share at times my apostolic holiness upbringing that would have a mix of Baptist background in my world, very, very conservative. So my early years would be churches, men on one side, women on, on the other. Uh, women would wear hats and coverings, and, and I understand some of the principles of, of what they were, were doing. But as a young boy, uh, we were so conservative, like, like even the fringe things, like we, you know bowling was a bad thing, uh, amusement parks. A lot of times, they didn't want you to go to amusement parks, so there was no what they would have called mixed bathing—men and women swimming together. Uh, no shorts. Uh, you didn't wear no shorts. You didn't go to the movies. We didn't have we didn't have a TV, uh, and so the list goes on. But but I'm just I'm, I'm giving you a glimpse into my life from a young child. My dad, uh, pretty much every day that I can remember, would have me for an hour to memorize scripture every single day. I don't remember days where uh, I got off the hook from memorizing Scripture. During certain seasons of my life, I used to think that was a bad thing. I used to think growing up, I can't believe that I got to spend all this time memorizing the Bible. Now that I'm going to be 47 here soon and doing what I do, I look back at my childhood And I'm very grateful for all the hours and hours and hours and hours that I spent in God's Word because I fell in love with that book as a child and I've never fallen out of love with that book. I love, I love the Bible. And so I wouldn't want to go to a church where I felt like, I I like jokes, I like to laugh. I think sometimes Christians should lighten up a little bit, Uh, you know, joy. Joy's definitely not a bad thing. Laughter's not a bad thing. Uh, I love I love the joy. I love stories, analogies. I like props. Uh, if people's around, I like props. So so when people leave and they're like, well, that you know that makes sense to me. What when he showed that, I like props. But but me personally, I would never want to go to a church where I didn't feel like it was scriptural. I I want I want to feel like there's scripture. The Bible is at work. That's not taken out of context. Uh, I like Scripture. I also like the Spirit. I don't want to quench the Spirit when, when I feel uh, Pastor Kristen and the team is in the moment and they're feeling it. Uh, they have liberty. They know that. You have, they have liberty to flow. Uh, people worship the ministry lines. People crying. People praying. When I look around the room and see people being stirred, I'm all for planning and preparation. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. So what we read in the Gospels was at work thousands of years prior. I think preparation and planning is good. But it, it's always secondary to the presence of God. It's always secondary to the move of God. I love the Spirit of God. I like to encourage people. You've never clapped. You've never raised your hands. You've never opened up your heart. You should. You should. I like to encourage people. Like, Don't just fall in love with Scripture Fall in love with the Spirit of God in your life. Let the Spirit of God be in your truck, in your car, your house, your job. The Bible says if you walk, if you walk in the Spirit, you're the children of God. If you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I went to a super church, I'm believing that there'll be Scripture and there will be Spirit and it's not either or. I want to go to a church and experience both. The letter U for a super church is what I would call a unified church. Everyone say unified. Sometimes churches cannot get along. I know that's shocking. Sometimes they don't agree. They don't even agree what you should sit on. So, There are times some people could say, well, I want to sit on something like a chair that's soft. Other people would say, I want to sit on wood. I I want to sit on what they would call a pew. Some people would say, well, I like, and others would say, well, I like. If we're not careful, those types of conversations create disunity. Disunity. So people... For example, if you looked at even certain denominations, there there is not just one kind of that denomination. You could have the the first fill in the blank, and then you got the second fill in the blank, and then you, well I'm the primitive of that, and I'm the and and they get a lot of offshoots just off of the one because of disunity. I think if we're looking for a super church, we want to look for a unified church because I believe that's what God's looking for when you look at John 17 21 Jesus said I want all them to be one with each other just as I am one with you and you are one with me I also want them to be one with us then the people of this world will believe that you sent me when you look at culture we're different we're different not everyone's the same. If you look just down your road today, you would see a difference. So Alyssa, my assistant, over here wearing a Ben Roethlisberger Steelers jersey. How many, how many Steelers fans? Wow, there's a lot of Steelers fans here. I almost told the joke I texted Alyssa last night. It was that close. That one didn't make today. Um Should I tell it? No, never mind. Uh, I want to. Um, But if you look just down your row, you could see people that would cheer for a different team. So Kelly Kelly is a Vikings fan, right? I see behind, we've got a Jarvis Landry jersey over here in the row right behind Kelly. If, If you look at just sports preferences... Where's my Minutemen people at? Rick has every color imaginable that goes with Lexington Minutemen down here. Where's my Colts at? Where's my Frederictown Freddie's at? Where's my T.Y. Tigers? Right? Like just culturally we're different. So if you're looking for a church that you could look down your row and everyone parents the same and everyone cheers for the same team and every... that's probably not going to happen. One of the tough things is not just culturally, one of the tough ones for me pastoring, this is my 30th year of some form of ministry, is politically. You know, I I will have people that will, will tell me all the time, Pastor Micah, can we put up these flyers? Pastor Micah, can we put up these papers? Some people don't even ask, they just leave stuff strewn all over the counter, and I'm not trying to cause you to get up and leave, the whole point right now is unity, but But there's times I've gone over to the counter on Monday and just went like this. In the trash. Because, I mean, as recent as, was it this week or last week, where people are messaging me saying, Pastor Micah, this person's running for council person here in the county, and this person was running, and can they come and speak on a Sunday for a few minutes? No. Not looking to bring in who's the best you know, precinct number whatever. And I, I know some people may not want to hear that, but here's how, here's how I think you should vote. Not whatever is strewn all over the counter out there. I think you should pick up that book that I just talked about and just let that lead you and guide you for how you should go. But it's not always easy pastoring because there are people that almost want to throw down politically and then over the years, the next thing that I get into is racially. You know racist? Right? You don't know, like the Latinos? You don't know, like someone who's a different skin color? Like like those jokes just sort of like, yeah. Right? That doesn't line up with heaven. That's what I'm telling you. It's a super church. That does not line up with heaven. When John saw heaven, he saw every tongue. Every tribe. Listen, I, I I know the unified point can really start to stir our spirit sometimes, but I want to encourage you today. If we want heaven's attention, if we want God's commanded blessing, God's commanded blessing, Psalm 133, shows up when people, when men, when women dwell together in unity. What stirs the heart of God in Acts chapter 2? It's when you get 120 people that come together in one accord in one place. Not like one building here, one down the street, one in Mansfield, one on that avenue and that street, and this group meeting here. No, one accord in one place, if you would, one row. And heaven was like, I've got to send a wind. I've got to send fire to that place because they were were unified. I think a super church is a unified church. It's not just all of those things. it's even age. This is a tough one pastoring, and I just have a few minutes left, but this is a tough one, pastoring because sometimes people will say, "Well, you know Micah, that that intern thing, you know, all those all those millennials it, It's funny because I have probably just in the last month or two had two or three. Uh, comments back where, where it was like, well, you know, Micah, you know, he wants to reach those millennials. Unashamedly, I want to reach millennials. So I want to go on record and say, I want to reach millennials. What I have said is that statistically, and according to studies, the, the two hardest groups to reach are millennials and men. And I am honored every weekend when I come in here and look down row after row after row all of the men that come to Storyside. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. But when we talk about unified, when people begin to talk that way, when people begin to talk that way, if we're not careful, they create a disunity between ages. Because then you could get someone, you know, I'm sort of in the middle somewhere, probably teetering, like, okay, you, you go with the old people now, Micah, like, you're, you're in that group, you're in the okay. There's better pie over there. <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't have said that, but it's true. Uh, these people over here are still practicing. Um, focus, Micah, focus. I had a lady... Uh, Just this week, she messaged me. She's like, I know you like pie. What's your favorite pie? I sent her like 20. I'm not kidding. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, focus, unified church. The danger is if, if you listen to that kind of talk, then you will have younger people who feel like the older people are against them you will have older people that feel like the younger people is trying to push them out. You will start creating almost a winning-losing, like, well, they always get their way. I am honored. I've never really said this publicly, but I am honored when I see someone like, how old are you now, Lane? 19. When I will see Lane sometimes walking around with her head set on and telling, whether it's parking first and pray. hey guys, let's do this, let's do this, and VIP and umbrella team and all this stuff. And I know full well, I know full well, there's all kinds of people that are way older than 19 on some of those teams. And they're not messaging back like, how come I've got to listen to a 19-year-old? And the flip side of that, I love when I see some of our interns and young leaders that get on a team where I know the person leading that team is two, three times their age, and I don't get any kickback or feedback like, how come there is something special? I always say that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's thinking three. It's three generations. There's something special about when people of all ages, all colors, all backgrounds, men, women, black, white, is something special about when they all come together and they are unified. How many want to be part of a unified church? I think a fair question to ask ourselves because there are some people driven by disputes, and there's some people—if you've been around any length of time—that thrive on creating conflict. Don't get caught up in it. Can I ask you that? Just, just don't. And there's, there's nothing coming to mind. I'm just telling you in general. Just don't get caught up in that. Unity's not in conformity; it's in diversity. I'm always reminded of the statement where when people will say, well, you know what, this life group they said, at this small group they said, someone the other day at the coffee shop, don't don't tell me what they said. Tell me why they were so comfortable to say it to you. That was quiet. Whoa. Uh, Do you shut down disunity? A fair question to all of us. Am I a uniter or am I a divider? Am I a uniter or am I a divider? I asked a lady just the other day, my wife and I was talking to her and her husband. She was saying, you know, I was in this group and they were talking about spouses and this was said and this was said and I didn't know this and this was said. And I just asked the question, I'm like, do you think they would have said that if I was there? And I'm not saying I'm all that. I'm just saying, I asked the question, do you think they would have said that if I was there? And immediately, I wouldn't even think about it. Probably not. Like, are you known as a uniter or a divider? When you walk in the room, do they just know you probably shouldn't say that around them, right? Because they just want everyone to be together and unified. And am I a uniter or a divider? In our final few minutes, the letter P, people. People. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and Helpless. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. When he saw just putting myself into that, if I'm, if I'm looking at a church, where do I plant myself? When, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. When it, here's what I've learned. I've been in over 300 churches now. Here's what I've learned is sometimes people think, this is their mindset, more people's more problems. Like if we get more people at Freedom Nights, that's more problems. If, if we get more kids, more that's more problems. Jesus didn't look at you and I and see more problems. He looked at you and I and said, I can do something with him. I can do something with her. Are you glad He didn't see you as a problem? Are you glad He saw your potential? When I see Butler... When I see Mount Gilead, when I see Loudonville, when I see Ashland, when I see Crestline, Galleon, Shelby, and Mansfield, and Lexington, when I drive through these places, when you drive through these places, I want to be stirred with compassion. When I see the school, when I see the college, when I see the person, when I see that single parent, I want to be stirred. He saw the crowd, he had compassion. I think a super church cares about people. One thing that we do often here, and I know this is a transparent kind of message, but sometimes one of the... You would think it would be easy as a preacher, like Adam would be easy to say, well, Micah, that should be easy, you're a preacher. One of the most unique things for me all the time is when I get to the end of a message, regardless of what I'm preaching. So I could be talking about money, like you're going to be part of a super church. People don't sow and give. Like you can't do all the like you'd be talking. You just know that people's out there thinking whatever. You get to the end of a message and you're like, I need to ask if there's anyone here today that needs to be saved. And it's like a curveball. It don't necessarily fit what you've been talking about, but you know. Like, what if someone is in the room or they're online? I think last week were 2,600, 2,700 views just on Facebook Live. You know your mind's telling you, like, if there's someone in the room or online that's not saved, like, we have no promise of tomorrow. Like, Micah, you have to. You, you have to tell them, if, if you're listening today, and you're lost, and you're in sin, we're all born in sin, you need a Savior. And then another mind monster sometimes you have is people who have come here for 5 or 10 or 15 years, how many times have they heard that? Like, okay, he's going to do that whole, like, every eye closed, no one looking around. I wonder if someone really did raise their hands when he said that I see that hand over there. Like, okay, and then they're going to be like, get a following Jesus book, go to the black tent in the back. We want to help you with next steps. And sometimes your mind can mess with you. Like, there's people out there that's like, this is so regimented, this is so scripted, it's so regulated. And it's not regimented or scripted. I just don't know if someone came that day for the first time that hasn't been in church in 10 or 15 years. And I want to make sure I give them the opportunity. If you want to be saved, if you want to turn your life around, I know I'm a way maker and, and a miracle worker. And But believe it or not, when you care about people, people, it's not always easy to take church. And like, I've been here for... Eleven years, and then just hey, just press pause. Eleven year person, I need to talk to someone who's maybe here today for the first time. I want to I want to go to a church that cares about people. The last is engaged. uh, For the letter E, engaged, and the letter R is resurrection. I want to go to a church that's engaged. It's not a gig. It's not a concert. I want you to be engaged. I like when you clap. I like when you worship. I like when you serve. I, I, like when you're, I like when you're in a group. I like when you go to grow. I think yesterday we had about 15 people come to grow. And I came for a couple hours. And I'm meeting people, Chuck and Pamela and Kathy and Derek. and I had a great time talking to people at grow. I like when you're engaged. Because I think God wants you engaged. He doesn't want you just to be a hearer of the word. Like, Micah, do your thing. And goodbye, everyone. See you in a week. Now He wants you to be engaged. Not just even on Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He wants you to be engaged. He wants a relationship with you. And the final thing is, I want to go to a church that believes in the resurrection. The Bible says in Colossians 2.13, you were spiritually dead. You, me, you're spiritually dead. Because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. I love this, but God, but God gave you new life together with Christ and he forgave all, not just some, think about the big bad ones in your life, think about the ones you regret, the ones that you hope no one ever brings up or talks about, and how awesome he is. We're talking about a super Jesus. He forgave all our sins. I couldn't go to a church that didn't preach that kind of a resurrection. Yeah, but no felons are allowed here. No no one with a record or a background's allowed here, no one who's been married before. You know my travels there's a lot of that. I'm like no, this is not pregnant, out of wedlock and I I don't I don't I don't like all the the sins and mistakes that hurts my heart. I'll get in meetings with people and they start confessing and I start crying. My heart hurts because I know what sin can do. Sin destroys people. Sin will lead to death. Sin has all the promises on the front end and tons of pain on the back end. I hate sin. God hates sin. But I never want to go to a church that doesn't believe the arm of God can reach the worst of the worst and the lowest of the lowest and say, I could resurrect you. I could resurrect you. I, I, I could get you out of that. When I look around the room, I see a lot of people that he has resurrected. Not only in this life, but I want to go to a church that believes in eternal hope and eternal life. You know, some people don't believe in that. They believe that this life, this is it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I want to believe that I'm going to see my family again. I want to believe my Bible college roommate, Alex Bragdon, was married three girls. We were like best of friends. Got cancer, died at a young age. I could hardly breathe in his funeral. I want to believe Derek Munn, who was at my house on July 1st, Canada Day, all day. We had a great talk. Derek and I went to Bible college. Little did I know Pastor Beasley would call me after midnight. Derek left. We tried to convince him to stay. He left, driving home, hit a moose, gone into eternity. I want to believe Alex, Derek, and so many more. I want to believe I'm going to see them again. I want to believe in the resurrection 1 Corinthians 15 says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of... Everyone say first. First importance. That Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried, He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 4, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in, in Him. Here's what I think would be a super church. I I don't expect a perfect church that is heaven. But I would want to plant my family in a church that was scriptural and spiritual. I don't have time to fight and debate and argue with people all the time. I want to go to a church that's unified, that keeps the main things the main things. I want to go to a church that cares about people, all people. We don't pick and choose. We're not just going to cheer for Canadians. It's not like... I believe God died to save the world. I want to go to a church that's engaged. I want to go to a church that weekend after weekend after weekend says, you messed up, you have a long list, a long line of sins. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. I believe he can resurrect your life. I believe he can give you eternal hope. I want to go to a church that believes in the resurrection. I believe that's a super church. Would you close your eyes today and give me the opportunity to pray with you maybe today you're thinking Mike I need to get more into the word I think it's 1440 minutes a day or what there's a lot of minutes in a day maybe you need to ask yourself can I give God five of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds could I give them 5 to be in the Bible could I give them 10 to pray could I maybe your challenge today for super is that you really want to commit to being more scriptural or more spiritual for others you know that you're not always known as a uniter when you walk in the room people don't always say well she'll she'll shut him down he'll shut him down maybe your challenge today in God's presence so you need to be more of a uniter maybe for others you know that the enemy's been trying to divide young old black white it's been trying been trying to divide your heart so that you're not seeing people as important all people all people your challenge is god i want to see people differently i want to walk into my job into my school he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He saw the crowds, he had compassion. Maybe today your prayer needs to be, I, I need more compassion in my life. Maybe it's engaged. I remember a business owner telling me, Pastor Mike, I raised my hands today for the first time. You know, the Bible says I would that people everywhere lift up holy hands. thought it was so unique. I, I thought it was awesome that He would say, I raised my hands today for the first time. Maybe your commitment is that you want to be more engaged. Maybe today you need something resurrected in your life. You're that man or woman that I talked about that you realize you're born in sin or maybe you have sidetracked yourself again into sin. It's not a script and it's not here he goes again. No, it's real. You don't want to die in your sin. You don't want to die in your sin. If you're you're here today and you say, Mike, I want to be saved. Maybe you need the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. And God will hear that prayer. But with eyes closed all over the room, if God's talking to you and you would just say, "I." I'm leaving with a takeaway. When I pull off the property today, I know exactly what it is I need, know exactly what it is I need to work on. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you over here, thank you. God, I pray right now, 21 minutes after 10. I pray for every prayer, every heart, every person. That's saying, God, I'm hearing your word. I'm feeling challenged. I'm being stirred. I open up my life. I know that I'm a work in progress. Pull the best me out of me. God, I thank you for those that would say, I want to be saved today. I want to turn from my sin. I want to repent of my sin. I need a Savior. I believe that you will hear their prayer today. Thank you for resurrection power going to work. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand all over the room today? Are you thankful for Jesus? Would you just tell him one more time how uh, thankful you are for resurrection power? Thank you, Jesus.